Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. What's up, y'all? want to welcome you back to the Hunt Stand Podcast, Season 2, and this is your host, Will Cooper. The Hunt Stand Podcast is your weekly source for insightful conversations with veteran hunters, dedicated outdoor enthusiasts, and top industry personnel. I'm going to have guests on here who are true experts in their field, diving into the captivating world of our industry and the great outdoors. With each episode, you, the listener, will receive invaluable knowledge, tips, and guidance on how to enhance your skills in the wild and in life. Tune in to be entertained, informed, and driven to reach new heights. The Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Yamaha and its full line of class-defining, adventure-seeking motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-side vehicles. The Hunt Stand Podcast is also brought to you by Springfield Armory and their lineup of Model 2020 Waypoint Rifles. And finally, the Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Stealth Cam. It's never been easier to go wireless with the Command Pro app. Capture high-quality photos and videos of all the action wherever you hunt with Stealth Cam's advanced cameras and data plans tailored to your needs. So make sure you check out their website today, StealthCam.com. Hunt Stand Podcast Season 2. Buckle up. It's going to be a good ride. Let's go. Machine over here on the side. Give me a quick mic check. Hello, hello, hello. How about that? Good, good. good. Yep. Can you oh, hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me good? Yeah, it's it's clear as a bell, buddy. Sweet. You got, you got the fancy mic. Man, it is. It is fancy. Just got it and the fancy sound above me. So nice. Looks good. Well, Joel, man, you ready to podcast? I'm ready, pal. All right. Well, Joel, first and foremost, want to welcome you to the Hunt Stand Podcast. And thanks for taking the time out of your busy as hell schedule to talk with me, man. Yeah. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I I was excited to get you on here. I mean, I know you and I have, we've talked before in the past and uh, you kind of picked apart my shop process and a rental vehicle on the way to Lancaster Archery a couple of years ago. (laughs) So it's, it's good to sit here and talk with you. But before we get into the whole everything with you, Shot IQ, everything, man, uh, Mm -hmm. what I like to do to get each of these podcasts started is I like for the guests to give our listeners kind of what I call that 30 foot tree stand view kind of like that thirty thousand overall foot view of who you are man so tell us who is joel turner well joel turner i guess is a guy that is seeking impact in life so just from from a young age uh hunting family but not like my dad wasn't super serious into hunting but it was just it was everything to me and shooting was everything to me And, uh, so, you know, going through life and just about every job I ever had had to do with shooting something Mm -hmm. and, uh, from USDA to goose guiding and then becoming, well, I guess being law enforcement is not about shooting stuff, but yeah, just, uh, yeah. So that's, that's where I came from and, uh, growing up shooting and then just, got into when I became a cop, it became apparent to me that I loved instruction and I loved teaching people. And I, I, I had this fascination with shooting, which led to firearms instructor stuff. And then, but there just wasn't, there wasn't enough stuff out there to really get the impact that we needed to police officers so that they could, you know, save the life of another or their own life. So that's what, started me down the rabbit holes of research and just always seeking impact. 
And then, you know, Bodie was born in 07 mm -hmm. and he started competition shooting when he was nine years old. And, wow. you know, he's only known controlled shooting and now he's kind of a phenom, but he's, <laughs> you know, we, we say that he's a phenom, but he's, he is, you know, he's a very special kid. Obviously he's my son. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. very proud of him, but a lot of people can do what he can do if they had the right tools. Yeah. And, uh, so then, you know, once he won Vegas in 2022, that's what propelled Shot IQ through the roof. And that allowed me to actually retire because I had enough time in. I had almost 21 years in, in law enforcement. Wow. 19, well, almost 19 of that was spent on the SWAT team and, uh, you know, instruction. I was the lead firearm instructor in Washington State. And uh, that's where I got to do all my experimentation. And now, shot iq is what it is and it's mm -hmm. it's becoming a shot control equals life control type of operation yeah and after the rogan podcast it's just the impact now is is global so it's pretty cool stuff is that something you were expecting at all to happen to be on the podcast on the rogan podcast no just obviously after the podcast but you know you're, you're looking at law enforcement to retire obviously mm -hmm. i think when a lot of people look at retirement they're like man kind of looking to take it easy if you will for a little bit and right. once the, the podcast happened with rogan yeah well i couldn't really you know i couldn't retire yet because you don't you're not considered retired until you start pulling money but ah. i was only 45 when i retired okay. so you have to wait so you have to wait. So Shot IQ was my was my lifeline at that point. Yeah, and uh, just realizing the potential of it, and you know, people, you know, of course, after Bodie won Vegas, he's like my greatest advertisement. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I didn't expect it. I I expected it to do to do well, but now it's just it's global, and it's I'm realizing the impact that it has now, mm -hmm. and the and what people are seeking in life as far as motivation or just knowledge on how to control them, their own mental game, you know? So, man. Yeah. When I saw you getting on the Rogan podcast, I was like, Oh, it's about to go nuts. It's it's about, <laughs> it's about to go down. Yeah. I mean, what well, we were talking before the podcast that you're just getting hit up left and right. I mean, it's just exponentially gone nuts for you. Hadn't it? Yeah, it, it has. And it's weird to me because there's so many people from different facets of life that are trying to gain an edge. And they saw the podcast, they listened to the podcast. And I mean, it went out to like, I don't know, I think he has like 10 million listeners or something yeah. around the world. And I'm not an expert in a lot of the things that people are asking me about. Like, PGA pros are asking me about a golf swing and I've never played golf. I've swung a golf club a couple times yeah. in the yard, but I've never played golf. But what I understand is the mental game of it and how to actually apply your conscious mind at specific moments. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what people are looking for, for whatever task it is. And it might not even be a sport. It might be anger management. It might be anxiety attacks. It's, we have literally defined the mental game for life now. And, and it took somebody to actually ask me that question. It's funny now because I have people that like basically make me think. And so <clears throat> this one gentleman asked me, what is the definition of the mental game? And that made me think about what we do and what we, how we apply it in shooting and how we mm -hmm. can apply it to life. But the mental game, the definition of the mental game that we've come up with is this. It's knowing when, where, and how to place your conscious mind in a specific task at a specific moment. Think about that for a second. Everything we do mm -hmm. has a moment of truth where you have to gain mental control. Yeah. It starts with getting out of bed because your limbic system in your mind doesn't want to get out of bed when you're all cozy and snug, right? That's true. And so you have to, you don't just find yourself getting out of bed. You have to make a decision to do that. Mm -hmm. right? And then to do the movements that it takes to get out of bed, you got to put your conscious mind into something. It's 
we're constantly having to override some system in our mind that is looking for comfort or looking for pleasure or looking, you know, just to brace you for impact as it is in shooting. So you're always having to override your mind in a specific task at a specific moment. So if somebody asks me about a golf swing, right? Yeah. There's a specific task involved with that golf swing, but there's a specific moment in that golf swing where you have to have conscious control of something. And it might not be the movement. It might be putting your conscious mind into vision. It might be putting your conscious mind to a specific aspect of the swing. When you're, you know, if, let's talk about anger management. If you're at the cusp of losing your mind at that specific moment, if you don't gain control, things are going to spin out. They're going to spin out, mm-hmm. and you're going to lose. You're going to fly off the handle. So, understanding when, where, and how to put your conscious mind into these tasks at these specific moments. So, what people have to do is they have to define the moment. Well, they have to define the task first. Like, what am I really trying to do here? And then they have to define the critical moment within that task. That's your moment of truth. And then knowing how to do that through speech or neurolinguistic programming or whatever you have to do to put your conscious mind there. So it's this kind of holistic shock control equals life control. We've figured out the mental game of life in general. And if you start looking at things that way, then you can start to conquer these problems much more effectively. How has that changed your thinking in regards to just shooting? You know, before you're solely, pretty much solely focusing on trigger, right? Mm-hmm. Trigger, target, animal, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And now you've been asked this question that it's making you have this holistic look on life instead. I mean, what has that caused your mind to do when it comes to shot IQ now? <clears throat> well, the the shooting instruction hasn't changed. It's just becoming more and more effective because... Mm-hmm. Now that we have this definition, you know, what we teach follows right in line with it. Because we all know, and we all talk about the moment of truth in shooting, right? It's that moment where that buck turns broadside and you're like, oh my God, this is about to happen. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't gain control of yourself at that moment, autopilot has a default for you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't override that or know how to override that at that moment of truth, and you're going to go into autopilot, which is what thousands, millions of yeah. hunters do every single day during season. They they lose it. And so really boiling it down to having enough determination to do the override, making the decision that is the override so that you're more present, so that you can concentrate on that very specific task. And in shooting, in precision shooting, the task is moving the trigger. That's the only task, right? The task is not in aiming. It's you you get that done and then you just watch it to keep it, right? Enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. People are still way hung up on the aim. I, I do clinics all the time around the country. And now internationally where, I mean, people are so hung up in the aim when they have no control over it. And if you're hung up in the aim, if you put your conscious mind in the aim, you can't move the trigger properly. It'll allow the subconscious to move it for you. And if you do that, it's going to brace you for impact every time. So, you know, taking this mental game definition to our shooting, which we've already done, we've completely defined the task, we've defined the how, the where and the when, you know, the when of the decisions, when do you make these decisions? Mm -hmm. You know, as that buck's coming in, as you're about to draw your bow, it's, um, you know, and then after you've aimed and after you've put your finger on the trigger, there are more decisions to make. Big time. You yeah. know, and hear, hearing you talk about going into autopilot and then, you know, now after being on Rogan and being asked that question, autopilot is kind of like that comfort zone for a lot of, pe- a lot of people when, sure. it, when it comes to just life. Like you're talking about getting out of bed and... Mm-hmm making that conscious decision and learning to override. And so what I want to go through next is, you know, a big part of who listens to this podcast are our bow hunters. And this is something you do. I mean, obviously your son has shown the success from this. So let's kind of talk to that bow hunter right now about how to 
go through this process to override and control and conquer, if you will. Okay. So, you know, as the, you're having to, there's so much stuff going through your mind, you know, as that buck is coming in, but it starts, your process starts in your practice. Mm Mm-hmm. Because most people, like if you're out there and you are shooting your bow, you know, you go practice with your bow and you're going out there and you're practicing your shooting just for the sole fact of practicing the physicality of shooting, you are literally practicing your own failure. Because if you punch the trigger just the just the littlest bit, when there's nobody around, you're going to punch the crap out of it when that's a big buck in front of you or when there's people watching you or when there's a camera on you or whatever, yeah. because your, your thought process is weak. And I don't mean to be offensive to people, but if you are punching the trigger during practice, you are experiencing a very weak system where you're allowing the subconscious to take over. And so it starts with your practice. You know, are you, are you determined enough to actually put your finger on the trigger, have your pin on the target, And then put your finger on the trigger and then your entire world is moving the trigger slow enough you could stop it so that it surprises you when, you know, when the bow goes off. Are you determined enough to do that? Because if not, then you will have mediocre success in your shooting. And maybe that's good enough for you, you know. But for me, I think that we owe it to these critters that we're harvesting to actually you know, make a, a humane kill, mm-hmm. hit it actually where we want to, instead of relying on giant broadheads when we gut shoot them. Right. 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 That we see constantly on TV. It's, it drives me insane that, you know, these people put hours and hours and hours and thousands of dollars of money into, you know, their property and getting it ready. And then all of a sudden they just, they go practice and you see this 15 yard shot on this giant buck and they don't hit it where they should hit it. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's nothing other than, you know, they didn't hit any limbs. The buck didn't jump the string, right? They had complete control of that situation, but they gave it away to autopilot. And if you practice in your shooting and you punch the trigger the slightest bit, that is you. That is going to happen to you. And it's a very desperate feeling when you love bow hunting and you love archery so much that it it consumes your life, but you're frustrated with it. Yeah. And so that starts in the practice. So if if somebody is, is determined enough to make a decision that they're going to shoot this one shot with control. And then they do by concentrating on the trigger work. And they're like, okay, that was a good shot. That's what I'm supposed to do. And then they practice that they blueprint it so that they can do it again. And then they blueprint it so that they can do it again and again. Right. So Mm -hmm. to, to the point where the blueprint becomes a fundamental truth, I'm shooting the shot this way, no matter what, then, and only then, do you go into the woods with this powerful knowledge that you're going to do good, right? So now you've got the knowledge, you know, there's no mystery in your shot. You know that you're going to draw back and aim. Then you know that you're going to put your finger on the trigger. Then you know that you're going to say a decision like, here I go. Then you're going to talk yourself through the trigger work. When you know that, when that's not a mystery anymore, then you climb up into that stand knowing exactly how your shot's going to go. And that changes entirely how you approach this business. So now the buck's coming in, right? Mm-hmm. And he's not in range yet. And you're looking in front of him. You're seeing where you're going to stop him. And you have practiced your stop sound in your shot process. Because a lot of people that stop these deer... And that's a personal choice, whether you stop them or not. Maybe some people shoot them on the move. That's cool too, right? Whatever you, whatever your thing is. Yeah. But knowing that your stop sound starts your shot process is huge. Like you draw back and you, you stay out of your sight because you're looking in front of the deer, where he's going to stop, where you got to stop in between those trees. You're at full draw, but you're not looking through your sight. And then as he moves into that position, you stop him. But when he stops, 
if you have never experienced that and you've never put that into your shot process, it tends to blow people's minds because they're at full draw. They're looking in front of them. Okay, I'm going to stop him when he gets between those trees. Okay. Oh, my God, he stopped, right? And now <laughs> there's that whole spinning out of control. He's going to get away. What if he moves? All these things are going through your mind, and none of those things have anything to do with your shot process. So you've stopped that deer. That deer is now giving you an opportunity to shoot a controlled shot. So you draw back and you're watching and you stop him. He stops. Now you just go into the shot process that you have blueprinted. You put your sight on the deer. Done. You then put your thumb on the button. Done. You make a decision. Here I go. That's done. Now concentrate on the movement of your trigger only. And if he moves out of your window, he moves out of your window. That's true. You have to be willing to allow him to walk out of the window. And people are like, man, that's crazy. Why would you ever do that? Well, it means everything to me to shoot a controlled shot. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's where it came. The whole, the whole police sniper SWAT stuff, all that was my determination. Well, that was my why. That's why I'm such a shot control freak. Right. I mean, people are like, well, it's kind of, you know, you're kind of a freak on this stuff, Turner. Well, it meant everything to me to control my shot. So that's where I like, I made a vow. I'm never shooting an uncontrolled shot again. After December 14th, 2014, I have not and I will not shoot an uncontrolled shot. And so when people know how they're going to do it, it's so calming because they're not relying on autopilot. It's not a mystery anymore on how they're going to shoot their shot. Mm -hmm. So just knowing those things, now when that buck turns broadside and you're like, oh man, this is happening. And we all know that feeling when just prior to the shot, you're like, oh my gosh, this is about to happen. And then you start to put tension on that bowstring. Well, if you, if you draw your bow and you have not made a decision to shoot a controlled shot, you have already handed that shot to autopilot and things are going to spin out. That's true. So don't let it spin out. There are specific moments in this shot when you make decisions so that you stay present in the process. You know, so that's that's what I'm talking about with bow hunters. There are shot opportunities out there. It's going to stay there long enough for you to shoot a controlled shot. And if it doesn't, you don't have control over that critter anyways. Yeah. So, you know... <laughs> I want to take a step back to the blueprinting part. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I, I've, I've heard you talk about this. We've even talked about it. Um, are you still teaching the part of the blueprint process where you're creating it, where you talk about going into that house that's in the forest? You're stepping up on the porch. You're going in. Right. Talk, yeah. talk to the listeners about that a little bit. So the shot control house, if you, <clears throat> and this analogy comes from all the SWAT stuff that I've done where, you know, you have, you have SWAT training day and you have a house that you go through. Yeah. And so the first time you go through the house, you're all stacked up on the door. You're going to blow the hinges off the door with an explosive charge. Clack, boom, that thing goes off. And then you go mm -hmm. in the house and you do all the training and you get shot with sim rounds and all the stuff. And it's all scary and spooky and so be it. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but then you go through the house again. And you go through the house again and you go through the house like 20 times, 30 times a day. Mm -hmm. And you understand very clearly the blueprint of that house. So by the end of the day, it's no big deal. You know where Tweaker John's going to be hiding in the closet and <laughs> it's no big deal, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so you get very good at navigating through this house and understanding the blueprint of this house. So when you are about to shoot a shot you truly believe the shot is imminent and it's that moment when you know, the buck turns broadside and you're like oh that this is it this is happening right now mm -hmm. so at that moment you are on the porch of the shot control house your process lives inside the house no you're not inside the house yet and inside the house is only a process it cannot open the door for you you can sit there and knock on the door all you want. And that's where most people are. 
they're not in the house. They're in the yard. They're running around the yard, running around the house, wondering how to get in. Mm -hmm. You get into the house. You open the door to the house by making a decision. I'm going to shoot this shot with control no matter what. And the door opens, right? Now your shot process is available to you because you just overrode autopilot for the first time. Yeah. Right? So the first room that you walk into, you draw your bow back. That is you stepping through this front door as you drawing the bow back. And the first room that you walk into is the aiming room. And that is where your mind wants you to stay. Like, it's like, hey, Will, what's up? All your buddies are in there. You're like, hey, man, just stay in here with us. And you're looking around. There's disco balls and all kinds of distractions in there. Right? Come drink you're the punch. Pictures. What's that? Come drink the punch. Yeah, right. So it is a very safe place for your mind to be because mm -hmm. if you stay in that room, it can then send the subconscious through the rest of the house like Wreck-It Ralph, punching triggers and all kinds of craziness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you get in the aiming room, and a lot of people come into the target slowly. They come in from the bottom. They come in from the top. That is you walking around in the aiming room, looking at the pictures on the wall, right? Like, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool in here. And then pretty soon you sit on the couch and you allow the subconscious to run through the rest of the house. So what I'm saying is get your friggin' pin on the target. Draw back and aim. Get it done and then just watch it to keep it. Yeah. Put your blinders on and just walk through the aiming room. Don't talk to anybody in there. Don't look at the pictures on the wall. Don't sit on the couch. Just walk through the aiming room. And then you have to get yourself out of the aiming room and you have to close the door behind you because you literally have no control over what goes on in the aiming room anyways. Right? So right. you closing the door is you putting your finger on the trigger. That is the mechanical signal that you are closing the door behind you, okay? Mm -hmm. So be it an index finger trigger, a thumb button, a hinge. That's when you roll to the click and a hinge. After All of these are after you get your aim done. Which So draw back and aim first, then you address the trigger. And that's where you say a lot of people you have found get stuck on aiming. Right. A lot of people don't even get their pin on the target. They're drive-by shooting, right? They've got their rack of pins and it's getting, it's 30 yards and they're going to use their 30-yard pin. So they're getting close. They're bringing it up from the bottom and it's there. Boom. They shoot their bow. That's not how, that's not how you were, you taught, you taught yourself. Even if you're self-instructed, it's not how you started. Mm -hmm. But you only get one chance to shoot your bow properly. You get one chance. And yeah. then as soon as your body experiences that impact, now you start to punch the trigger just a little bit and then a little bit more. And you you start, you put your pin on and then you, boop, you work the trigger. Makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. But your body's like, okay, I'm getting better and better and better at bracing myself for impact. You think you're getting better at shooting, but then you plateau at about six months. About six months into your archery career, you're plateaued. You're as good as you're going to get. Because you are as good as your pre-ignition movements have allowed you to get. Those pre-ignition movements, those bracing movements that are linked to the trigger motor program, right? That's when you see people grab their bow and punch the trigger at the same time. And then you start to see that they're not actually aimed at the target. Their pin is below it or above it. And then you see a little, dip, a little yip, right? It's a little yip and punch yep. at the same time. So... Because being on the target equals an explosion. That's why your subconscious won't let you just get there. That's why you keep your finger off the trigger until the aim is complete. So we've walked through the aiming room and we've closed the door behind us by putting our finger on the trigger. But oh my gosh, it <laughs> sounds so fun in there, Will. All your buddies were in there. You want to go back in there and check it out because there's scary things ahead. Right, You're moving through this house, and it's a spooky place, and it gets even worse in just a second. So you close the door behind you by putting your finger on the trigger, and then you lock the door on the aiming room with a decision, like, here I go. Right, Here mm -hmm. I go locks the door on the aiming room and opens the door on the concentration room. 
However, the concentration room is on fire. It is a blazing inferno that you do not want to go into. So therein lies another moment of truth, right? A moment where you have to make a decision to get into that concentration room, but it's on fire. So if you, you know, if your listeners out there are thinking about this, how much determination would it take for you to get into a room that is on fire, knowing that you are going to get burnt? Right? Think about that for a second. It would take for almost, almost every time this has happened in real life, It takes a loved one inside that room for you to work up enough determination to go into a room that's on fire. That is just shy of the level of determination it takes for you to work through a trigger slow enough you could stop it because the movement of that trigger causes an explosion. So you you make this decision, here I go. And then you step into the concentration room and it is a blazing inferno of negative thoughts. Oh my God, that's a huge buck. I think I might punch the trigger. I can't even get my pin on the target, right? So you have these, you got all these crazy thoughts coming in there. When's Mm -hmm. this thing going to go off? Oh my gosh, I'm going to be a hero. All these things are burning you at one time and you can only move through the house slow enough that you could stop your step anywhere within it getting burnt the whole time, right? To keep moving at that rate, which is the rate at which you would move through your trigger, right? You would have to have massive amounts of concentration. Big time. So to stay at that rate of speed, you would have to talk yourself through it. Damn. Right? So... And then, so you're working through this trigger and you got all these thoughts coming in. That's why you have to be the loudest one in the room. You have to be louder than the stress that's coming in. So you are in your head talking yourself through this. And then all of a sudden, bah, the shot breaks as a surprise. You've just been thrown out of the house. And then you knock another arrow. That's you walking around to the front porch. And now, <laughs> the doors closed again. Back to square so you gotta one. Make, you got to make the same decisions and you got to navigate the house. The house didn't change though. Yeah. The house didn't change at all. It's just a process. So you get to the point where you start to kick people out of your aiming room mm-hmm. and it becomes just a blank white room that you still have to walk through, but there's no distractions in there anymore. And eventually what I want for people is I want you to set that explosive charge on the front door. Like when I shoot critters or when I shoot, you know, in front of people or whatever, I don't have to stand there all ready to go and go, okay, Turner, I'm going to shoot this child control no matter what, because that is a fundamental truth, a principle, if you will, by which I live. I'm shooting a controlled shot no matter what. That's a decision that I made on December 14th, 2014, when I finally figured out what it was that allowed me to do that, which was making decisions at specific moments in my shot. And that's just what I'm doing, right? And that's what I want for people. So you don't have to like, you don't have to knock on the door and wonder how you're going to get in there anymore. There is no front door. You can step up on the porch and you can just walk into the house and you know everything about that house and you walk through and the concentration room the fire gets smaller and smaller until it's a bed of coals but you still have to walk across it with bare feet mm-hmm. right so it's not this raging inferno anymore it gets easier and easier to get through this house so you're knocking down barriers but you you're knocking them down because you know how to knock them down they don't stay knocked over right so these doors reform themselves because if you don't make a decision, like either you make this lifelong decision that you're shooting a controlled shot no matter what, or you have to make that decision every single shot. You choose, right? Create. So it just depends on um, people's determination level. It's just creating that blueprint, creating that blueprint. Like you said, like it's just making me think about it. Just the whole time of practicing, you have me walk through my whole process and, I'm guilty as charged on all the above. I think we all are. 
but the other thing that this kind of has me thinking about, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. It's, it's not just shooting. It's in life with decisions. Mm-hmm. Like it has me thinking like, you know, I've got a two year old at the house right now. And, uh, when she gets pissed off because she doesn't have a cheese stick, mm-hmm. right? How, you know, how am I going to handle that? Like, it's not just shooting. It's, there's a whole process, a whole thought process. Like you're talking about this, this house that you're walking yeah, through and everything. There's a, you know, and, and right now I'm figuring out how to build this, this house for life. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're, when your kid is, is acting up or whatever, and they're not going to be able to gain control because young minds don't have enough determination. They don't know. I mean, they don't have emotional control and all this stuff. So when mm-hmm. people think about, they, they ask me, well, I've got a six year old and I really wanted to be like Bodie Turner. Right. I really want to be a good shooter. And I'm like, okay. And I look at their equipment and the equipment that they have this young person shooting is just normal equipment that you would buy, right? Yeah. It's an index finger trigger. It's a compound with sights and a peep. And, you know, maybe they put some stabilizers on there or whatever. But the best thing you could do for a kid is mechanically fix their mental problem. And that's where the tension activated release comes in because mm-hmm. it's got a safety. So now they can aim. Cause I mean, I was locked off target at eight years old. It was horrendous. I didn't know what the hell was going on because yeah. I was eight, had no, nobody to teach me anything, but there really wasn't anybody to teach me stuff when I was eight years old back mm-hmm. in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, this stuff just didn't exist, but you know, you get a kid attention activated release, they push the safety in, they draw the bow back, they aim with no anxiety because the safety is on. And then once they, once they're aimed, then they take the safety off. And now if they don't expand, their bow's not going to go off. True. So you just have to teach them how to go slow enough, right? So you're watching and you're making sure they're slow. You're talking them through it. And then you get them to talk themselves through it. And the youngest of minds can figure that out. But, you know, when you're dealing with your your child that may be acting up or whatever, you have a moment of truth. You do. Right? There's a moment where you're, you're going to either fly off the handle yeah. or you're going to be calm. You're going to control the situation because everything in your brain is telling you, man, I want to, I just want to leave the situation or whatever it may be, but Autopilot. It's your job, right? It's your job as the parent <clears throat> to figure this out. And to do that, you have to remain conscious about what is going on. So things don't fly off the handle. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a moment of truth in everything that we do. So being able to know, being able to know what task, you know, what or where, when, and how to put your conscious mind into a specific task at a specific moment is the mental game. And people don't ever practice it. I, I ask people all the time, okay, you're work. how many people are working on their mental game, right? Everybody raises their hand. I'm like, what are you working on your mental game? And the, oh, for archery, it's usually, you know, it's usually yeah. archery. I go, okay, define the mental game of archery and what you're working on. And the answers are all over the map, but they're not actually anything that will actually help you because nobody can define it, what it is. So that's what we've done with Shot IQ. And we've just defined it. We've narrowed it down to what it actually is and how to actually do it. So it's pretty cool stuff. Very powerful. Very powerful. I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, it it, it makes you think about you know, every conscious decision that you make, you know, whether it's as simple from what you're putting in your body, if you're going to the gym, like you said, getting out Mm -hmm. of bed, like there's all these conscious decisions that we're having to make. And, you know, it's, it's starting to make me think about, I'm getting up on the front porch of every one of these decisions before I blow that, before I blow that door down. Staring at that front door going, man, how am I going to get in there? Exactly. Like blowing that door down. And then each room I have to step into, and go through that process like you're talking about, and then just right back to square one. Right. And, and But it gets easier and easier. Once you identify the task, yeah, and you identify the moment, and you'll get better at identifying the moments, because it's, it's when you start to spin out of control. And it's like, no, nope, I'm not going there. I'm doing this, mm-hmm. right? And you, never, you will never just find yourself in control, especially in shooting. Yeah. 
there are no natural born shooters. There are natural born decision makers. So you'll mm -hmm. see that these people are usually in leadership roles because they make decisions, right? So that they're present, so that they can concentrate and they apply this stuff to life, but they've never really defined how they do what they do. They've never blueprinted how they do what they do. And so it leaves the rest of us to think for ourselves. And we see these people as great leaders, but we never ask the right questions. Mm. You know? And there are people out there that will ask you the right question, but you have to find them. I had to find somebody. Well, they kind of found me, but <laughs> I mean, to ask me these questions, hey, define the mental game. I'm like, huh. I've never been asked that question before, but because of the shot IQ, because of the shooting stuff that we do, it was easy to define. I mean, it defined it in, in seconds. I just went, okay, it's this, this, and this. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy mackerel. What did we just, what did we just open up there? We opened and that's it. what we've found in life is that really good shooters, really good sports players, whatever it may be, they don't blueprint how they do what they do. And they never have to divulge that because they're looking for the edge. I'm looking for impact, right? So when those players get older and they become coaches, if they don't, if they never blueprinted how they do it, they're not that good of a coach. And that's a problem, right? I was not good at shooting. And I had to work myself up through this entire process to figure it out. And I had that why. My why was very defined in the SWAT sniper world. It was, it was everything. I mean, because can you imagine failure in that realm? No. Right? You, you're not allowed to fail in that. And mm -mm. a lot of people don't have that that determination. And I don't want them to necessarily have to deal with that much determination. But Sometimes you have to almost imagine your why, like, why are you going to the gym every day? No. Well, because I want to be more healthy or you want to change how you look or whatever, but it's got to be pretty strong for you to continue to do that. You almost have to put it into a guilt cycle where you feel guilty if you don't do it. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that could be your why or whatever, but just defining this stuff is been it's been life-changing for me but now in the shooting world we have a very specific blueprint for it right so when you shoot that perfect shot when you're out there and maybe you've taken my course maybe you haven't you need a ton of determination to do it if you don't know how to do it you can do it through sheer determination but man it's a lot easier because it's already been mapped out by us but the uh you know when you shoot that shot what was i thinking about after here I go, after you made that decision to actually move the trigger. What was I saying after here I go? Could I have stopped it? Meaning, were you truly in a closed loop control system? Mm -hmm. And then what decisions did I make? And that was the that was the original thing that got me to blueprint thing was mapping the decisions. Because I didn't know any of this other stuff in 2008 and in 2010 when I shot those two controlled shots. Right. Because I was very conscious about those, I remembered the decisions that I made. And that was the building block for it. Because I was super determined because I was pissed off because I was missing because I wasn't getting through my clicker on my longbow. So, so my why became very evident at that moment in 2008 and 2010. But because I didn't blueprint those, it took me until 2014 to figure it out. So don't go through a lifetime of that. Just it's been the code has been cracked. Yeah. <laughs> so so would you say that when building this blueprint, the best way to develop it is obviously through repetition and doing all the small things right that compound. But then, like you're saying, making sure that you're mapping it. More or less recording thoughts in your mind, how you did it, where it was done and everything else in order to build that blueprint. Correct. Yeah. You just have to, when you do something like, Oh man, that was pretty awesome. You got a blueprint. Otherwise it's a fleeting moment in time. You won't be able to repeat it unless yeah. you blueprint. It. And if people continue to go open loop, boop, if they're punching their trigger, you can't blueprint that. Mm -hmm. 
can't blueprint subconsciously driven thoughts. What about if they're shooting good though? And you know, let's let's talk to that guy that's out in the backyard right now, and he's like, "Oh man, I'm shooting good. Got three in the bowl. Blueprint." But they're snapping that trigger. Mm-hmm. How so? How do they identify that? That is that is a realization that they were accurate for those three shots, but tomorrow is a whole new ball game. Oh yeah. And if they don't want it to be a mystery how tomorrow's going to go, then you better blueprint what you're doing. And if your if your shot includes open loop trigger work, meaning too fast for you to stop in the middle of, you know, just video your trigger. Have somebody get really close and video your trigger, right? Like right on it. Oh yeah. Watch. If it's slow enough you could stop it, then cool, your closed loop. You can map that because for you to go that slow requires conscious thought and conscious decisions. But if you if you video it, boop, and you see that little punch there is a complete mystery on how it's going to go. You might have got your aim, or maybe you got close to your aim, but not quite right before you punched the trigger, but it still went in the middle. Cool, cool. Your subconscious is amazing at at controlling these things, but when you get in high stress, your subconscious becomes ultra efficient. And that's when you punch the trigger before your pin gets exactly where you want it, or it doesn't even get on the critter, or you just drive it through the critter and you punch the trigger and hope that it hits in the middle, which it won't, because there's pre-ignition movements linked to your trigger motor program if you go open loop. So if you punch that thing, you cannot map how you did it because it was subconsciously driven. Got it. Got it. So when it comes to triggers, you prefer... A heavier trigger then you don't want that ultralight trigger that just when you put the littlest bit of weight on it it just flies off right i want it so that you can like let's say you're shooting an index finger trigger i want it so that you can actually climb into it and make at least a 90 degree see if i can see this at least a 90 degree hook here mm-hmm. right so if you're still working the trigger and the trigger's here and your finger's like this that's you're punching the trigger for sure. Yeah. Right. Unless you feel it actually dragging on there. But if you make it a wall, you can make it in the middle phalanx or you can, you know, if you go all the way to the second knuckle, it's somewhat of a void in there. So I want you to be able to wrap into the trigger, actually put some pressure on it and then talk yourself through it. Right. And move slow enough. You could stop it. So if you, your initial movement on the trigger is not, to make it go off your mm-hmm. initial movement on the trigger is just to set the speed limit got it right so it's just like cruise control in your vehicle you're pressing on the gas nice and easy and then you see the speedometer coming up you're like okay that's the right speed and you hit the button the set button right well same thing you're increasing your pressure on the trigger and then once it gets to where you want it stay in that speed after that, there is no gas, there is no brake. You just stay in that speed until it breaks, or it doesn't. It's none of your business. You're just doing your job. Your job is to move the trigger slow enough you could stop it. I like it. So I like more tension on the trigger, not travel. Mm-hmm. So what we're working on right now is a... Because in, in lots of different releases, there is a click, right? Like if you're shooting a hinge with a click... That's cool. There's now an index finger trigger out there with a click. We're working on a thumb button with a click, right? Really? So it's so the click is a very powerful thing when used properly because like if you're working a hinge, you draw back an aim and then you roll to the click, then here I go, and then you talk yourself through the movement. Well, when you run to a click or when you move to a click, you're sending a motor program down a neural pathway. And because it only clicks, there's no consequence to that. It's like dry firing a pistol, mm-hmm. right? You know it's not going to go off. So it is a presence point. It is a decision point. So you run your hinge to the click. That is a presence point. Here I go. That is a decision that doubles your presence. So now you're super present. You yep. hit the click and made a decision, and now you're present enough 
that you can actually concentrate on moving that release slow enough you could stop it. So clicks in releases are a wonderful thing. People actually take them out of releases because they go, oh, the click freaks me out. Well, that would be only if you hit the click as an accident. Yeah, that's true. When you hit it from a consciously driven movement, it is a it's an amazing tool in a release that the archer world didn't really realize because a lot of times it's still taught as a form check, right? Like you're supposed to click it as soon as you get into anchor. Well, when you do that, you have to organize your aim and your tensions and all this stuff while you're sitting on 10 thousandths of sear surface. Why do that? Because you've just blended the shot for the subconscious. Keep it separated so that you can remain conscious and consciously drive yourself through these steps. It is a phenomenal tool in releases. So we're working on that right now. Shoot. I can't wait to see that. So in regards to releases, um, you know, you got somebody out there that's listening to this podcast and they might be, you know, scrolling down the wormhole of releases on Lancaster Archery or whatever website it is. Mm -hmm. What type of release would you recommend for a compound bow shooter? I would recommend first an index finger trigger. And that's what most people buy anyways Mm -hmm. to start with. But they quickly leave that because they start punching it. And then they somebody says, oh, you should try a thumb button. So they shoot a thumb button for about one time before they start punching that. The littlest bit. And they're thinking, oh, man, I'm, I'm way more conscious when I do this. Right. Because maybe my thumb is more dumb or whatever than my index finger because I've been punching triggers my whole life. Well, then you start punching it with this. And the movement on a thumb button is so much more complex and so much more difficult to evaluate that they plateau out with this because they like the feeling of it. Right. They like the feeling of how much drawing power it gives them. And the anchor point is awesome. Right. Yeah. Because you split. Split your knuckles right there, and that goes right on your jawbone. And oh man, it's awesome. But then you punch it, so it's all for naught, anyways, right? So you start punching a thumb button, and then people go, "Well, should probably try a hinge." So they go to a hinge, and then they start punching a hinge, and then they end up with a tension-activated release. And it's the major cure-all for everything, but it's the least accurate release there is. It's the least accurate way of shooting a bow there is because you're. It's totally based on preload Mm -hmm. and, you know, depending on what you ate that day or the amount of stress that you're under for hunting or whatever it may be, or a big tournament, you're going to pull, it might go off as soon as you let the, let the safety off. Like I had a guy this, this weekend in the clinic, right? I watched him shoot a tension accurate release. He drew it back. And as soon as he let off the safety, boom, it would go off. He's like, Oh, well, that's kind of how I shoot. I gotta be real careful. I'm like, set that sucker to where it's not going to go off as an accident. Yeah. Right. So it forces you to make decisions, but I don't want to leave people in attention activated release. Mm -hmm. So I, I usually have people shoot an index finger trigger and a good one, one that doesn't have a bunch of travel in it, one that you can actually set some tension in it. And there's, I would probably stick with single sear designs if you can find one out there that's got a single sear design, there's a couple of them out there that you can set a lot of spring tension and it has no travel. And like single it. sear designs are pretty simple. Yeah. So, yeah, so look at those. Well, and you know, I think, again, I mean, I'm, I have been a handheld guy for the past few years and I'm actually going to switch back to an index finger. And the reason being, when it comes to my shot process, and it's something I kind of went through, um, when you've got a handheld release, it adds a whole nother level of complexity because, especially if you're spot and stock, right? Um, you know, I'm, I was on mule deer hunt in 2022, and I ran through this issue where I was constantly having to be on the move after a mule deer gets set. Then I take the release off and I have to put it in my bino harness because I got to move. Then I got to range because I'm in a new unfamiliar uh, mm-hmm. part of the property. And it just added this whole level of complexity that I was not prepared for in my right. shot process and ultimately ended up missing the deer. And so that has made me want to switch back to an index just to take out that extra step when it comes yeah, to. I do it. 
I have people do that just because the movement itself to move the trigger is mm-hmm. so much more simple, right? You yeah. get your hand completely off the release. You wrap one finger around the trigger. Then it's here I go. And then you're literally pulling your hand through the strap. You're not moving your finger. Yeah. There is an advanced technique that we teach called a power squeeze where you're actually pulling your hand through the strap and increasing finger tension at the same time. But that's where I, that's an advanced. I have people hook in and just pull to start with. And then once they are in control of that and there's no mystery to it, there's no question that they're going to move through the trigger that way, then we can introduce actually increasing finger pressure as well. And uh, that's about the most accurate way we have seen to Mm -hmm. shoot an index finger trigger and still very easy to control. That's how Bodie hunts. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a very simple way of shooting a bow. So everybody, I mean, I would say in my clinics, I would say, and these are mostly bow hunters. Mm -hmm. I would say there's 70% thumb buttons. Do you think that's because of the YouTube rise in bow hunting popularity over the past five years? Well, I think it's because of, of people that market those things. Right. And then, you know, there's there's people out there that are very good at marketing and people see that thumb button and then they they hold it. They feel it like, oh, man, this thing feels good. They draw their bow with a little bit more power like, oh, yeah, this thing's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the, the sear system in, in thumb buttons are usually better than what's in index finger triggers. So they get all this cool stuff and they're in their honeymoon period. But <laughs> and they, I mean, probably of the 70 percent of people that come with thumb buttons in my clinics, <clears throat> I would say. Mm, less than 5% actually run it with control. Wow. That's that's yeah, big. Less than 5%. There's usually one. Mm-hmm. Of the 15 shooters I have in a day, there's maybe one Damn. that will shoot a shot with control. Wow. Maybe. Well, man, these are all powerful, powerful words, and I hope all the listeners definitely have grabbed something from this today. And so I know we're running out of time here, but before we go kind of close up with any last golden nugget you'd like for the listeners to hear or understand when it comes through to the whole shot process. So there's so many things out there that people talk about, trust the process, let the bow do its job, you know, let it surprise you. These are all things that are outside entities that are not going to help you. There's nothing that works for you in shot control. You don't let it surprise you. You consciously move your trigger until it breaks as a surprise, Mm -hmm. right? There is no trusting the process because the process, you're not even attached to it yet. You're not even in the house yet, right? You have to make decisions to get in that house. So people have to change their approach. They can... I haven't had anybody not be able to control their shot. Even if they're not great decision makers, I haven't. I mean, people just, once you give them the knowledge and if they're determined enough and then they, they shoot a controlled shot and they blueprint it, you know, this is a life skill, right? But you are doing it. There's nothing that's working for you. Like the first thing I do in my clinics, is I write down failure phrases. The first failure phrase is I'll try. Trying is not strong enough for shot control. That's you true. can't try to override your central nervous system, mm-hmm. right? Yoda was right. There is no try. There's only do and do not, right? That's so, true. You know, I'll try as the first one. I hope is the next one. It's working for me. I think so, right? So these are all things that are that we have in daily speech that you're expecting things to work. They don't. You have to know how to override your own central nervous system. Mm-hmm. And you have to know where to put your conscious mind to do that. And when the mental game of archery has been, the code has been cracked, ladies and gentlemen. So it has, and you have done that, my friend. So tell all the listeners out there, where they can find you, Shot IQ, social media, if they want to sign up for one of your clinics, tell them. So the uh, on my online course, I have online courses in archery, rifle, and pistol. 
all precision work. Uh, the pistol one has a bunch of open loop stuff too for all your self-defense or bear defense or any of those things you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. The rifle course is not a long range lay on the ground bench rest shooting rifle course. It is how to control your trigger when you're moving all over the place in unstable positions, right? It is a hunter's course. And then the archery course, of course, it's all of it's all of those things combined. There's compound tracks, there's there's traditional tracks, there's how to deal with every type of release aid, how to apply the science. That's all at shotiq.com. And then uh, Instagram is Joel Turner underscore shot IQ and there's Facebook and we're all over the place. So well, I love it, man. I enjoyed watching your son absolutely just crush it in competition yeah, these past two well. years. He's been doing a great job. You've been yep. doing an awesome job for the archery community. So I really appreciate your time and hopping on the podcast today. Yep. Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.